Spark Twain versus the World, a show where we talk about life, the universe, travel, ethical capitalism, and everything else. But shit can switch up at any second, and so you've got to be ready. Today I'll be talking to my friend Dom, who among other things makes custom keyboards. Good to go. I, I kind of like a nice surprise, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, alright, there's a call button. I'll just hit it to wake up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, how's your day going? How how are things out by you? You're not very far from me at this point in time, but... No. Um, no, I'm, I'm sitting here by myself doing a bit of a self-quarantine. Um, I've just been watching a lot... I do, um, my, yeah, my girlfriend and my son, but they're, um, okay, so quarantining over at her, yeah, yeah, well, but she, yeah, but she's, um, quarantined up at her parents' house just down the road, um, so I, I'm kind of sitting in here by myself for a while. Okay. It's kind of nice. Yeah, we get it's to do a, this. It's a <laughs> different thing, <laughs> different than I'm used to, man, it's, uh. I don't know. I've just been watching like YouTube videos that I don't think I would normally watch. Just like learning about all the <laughs> some, this stuff that I'm never gonna put to use, but I'm just getting really invested in listening to it for some reason. I don't know. It's, it's good. Got me on different stuff. Just sitting here by myself. Something I haven't done in a long time. Okay. Yeah, because you're a father now. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, I pretty much forget anything we discussed about your kid. Uh, your, your child is two. What? What, yep. is, what is the name? Uh, and oh, uh, Nicholas. Nicholas. So that um. Yeah, we, we my call him Nico. Nico. My brother's name is Nick. Nicholas. Nice. Nico. That's cool. So was fatherhood kind of thrust upon you? Uh, uh yeah, big time. You, I mean, I always. I always wanted to be a dad, but, um, like, yeah, my girlfriend and I had been dating for, like, four months, five months, maybe, by the time we figured out he was on the way, so it was like, all right, I guess, I guess we were just starting a life together, here it goes. Okay. And so, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, a lot of people dip out on that, <laughs> at that point in their if that happens, uh, not, I, I don't know. Not everybody sticks around, but I was like, "All right, I'll see what happens." Like, this is going good. We we still like each other. Everything is good there. So, I, I'm gonna help you get through this, and I guess we're just gonna do this together. Yeah, I mean, so like, I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> being a parent is uh, a powerful gift from the universe, and yeah. it sounds like you're approaching it. Uh, you know, in the best way possible. Uh, I, yeah, I, ju I just stepped, stepped up to it. I was like, all right, I, here we go. <laughs> yeah, and... Because um, I've always... You're... Uh, one thing that's, I think, important is you're like... You went to school and you work with computers. I don't exactly know what you do, but you're, you've got to be financially sound enough to support a family. Some people end up in this position and they're not... Uh, they don't have the education or the, you know, uh, just the skill set to 
make a living yeah. for more than just themselves and you you're obviously in the position where you are which is good and then beyond that you know this is i i i figured we'd get the the dad talk out of the way because i want to be a dad someday you know yeah. but i've been working really hard to put myself financially in a position to be able to do that because that was the biggest thing looking at my parents like whoa okay these are good parents but i don't know if they know anything about money and the older i get the more i think uh they don't and they're going to listen to this and right. it's just like okay that's fine like they're they're damn good at many things but compared to some people i meet and how some people handle their money it's like whoa okay right. i could have been uh I, i'm going to educate my children differently on how money works and all of that uh so you yeah. being in a position that's financially sound i think is is very important I mean, it, and yeah it, it took a little it took a little bit of adjusting i guess because like i was making good money for myself at the time um just you know, I'm a systems administrator in IT, so I do like the server and uh, like automation and scripting type stuff. Okay, and I'm I, pretty sure that's exactly what my dad does. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned that before. I'm trying to figure out how well, how similar that is to what I do. Yeah, but yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, I was doing that for a while, and then when I found out that um, Nico was going to be on the way. I was like, all right, uh, like I gotta step this up. So I started looking for other jobs that were like a little, a couple steps above what I was doing. Yeah. And then uh, did, I got hired for um, for this other place as, a, as another systems administrator, but kind of a, at a higher level. And then uh, and then I started freelancing on Upwork just doing um powershell scripting and automation stuff for clients and i just started like hitting that hard so i i like i don't know i i ramped i don't think i would have done any of that if i didn't have a kid on the way like all of a sudden i was like okay i gotta stop buying like cool video games and shit <laughs> and just like s- sit and chill and make more money that was like it was weird that it was like a switch that I had to turn on and be like, okay, I I must have been just messing around before this. Now I have to like really get in gear, but it worked. So yeah, you make good money with Upwork. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, surprisingly, that I do a lot of stuff on Upwork that um that I, I don't know that just people need like one off scripts to do stuff, and uh, I'm good at like just taking that and packaging it into like a small tool that they can use for what we're talking about programming right now yeah uh, for what kind yeah, of like like, pro- what, like a plugin or something i mean that seems complicated what do you do um so i take i, I use powershell to script stuff and powershell like exists on um like on any windows computers or environments or stuff you can use powershell to do stuff that you would normally be clicking through menus and things to do instead you can just type it and script it out to do stuff so like something that i get pretty often is um a company wants a better way to like onboard employees like you got to create an account for them and they have to have access to all this stuff and an email address set up and a password and like all their all their user information and all this stuff there's ways of of setting that up um that people 
traditionally use, but um, with PowerShell, I can make that so much more efficient where they can just have like a spreadsheet full of 200 employees and put it in and it all gets created and all gets set up a specific way if they have settings that they need um, to, to happen after the fact or if people need to get notified, like it all just handles that and does it and reports on it and gives you error reports and stuff like that. So wow. I just like speed up the job for people who do what I do. And then obviously you've been doing this for a while, so or you, you're you're comfortable with it and confident with it, regardless of how long you've been doing it, and so your speed increases. One thing I learned uh, in school in an autos class is that uh, auto mechanics charge based on how long it's supposed to take and not how long it does take. So maybe at the beginning of your career yep. you'd get paid less, and at the end of your career. You know, you're you're charging three hours for something that only takes you an hour because you're good at it. So, you're uh, yeah. So, do you mind saying like what an hourly rate you you make on Upwork is? You don't have to like say how much you do or anything, but uh, can oh you, yeah, you make what an hour? Yeah, rate? on Upwork. I mean, yeah, my my profile is public, so if anyone looked at it, they would see it anyways. But oh, I think whatever. on my Upwork profile. I've got it set to $65 an hour. Nice. Which, it, yeah, and a lot of the time, that like that's just what it says on my profile. If someone shows me something that they need created and like I've honestly already created it for someone else, I just need to like change a few things and send it over, I'll like change the price. Instead of 65 an hour, let's just do 50 bucks for the project. And I'll send you that, or you know, twenty bucks for this project because I already have, I already have the script. So I'll just send it to you. We charge you twenty bucks. Here you go. Okay. Um, but then there, the yeah, like I, I'll just charge like for for a project at times. Um, I've had a couple people that like they just they want an application and they want to pay a certain amount of money for it, and it's like okay, yeah, I could do that. Just two hundred bucks. It takes. Sometimes it takes me an hour. Sometimes it takes me like two, three days. So it doesn't always pay off. But sometimes it's like, well, cool. Technically, I just made four hundred bucks in an hour. So that's pretty sweet. But at the same time, sometimes it's like, okay, well, I just made a hundred bucks on something that took me a week and a half to research on. But I'm getting better at not taking. Like I, I can calculate it out a little, a little <laughs> better. Okay. Word and one, but where I learned about Upwork was when I was traveling in Asia. There was, I was trying to make money on the internet, and this girl I was with was way better at it than me. And I'd meet some people, like I met one girl, Natalie, who uh, does PR for like podcasts. Like if someone has a podcast, she'll help you link up with people to have on your podcast or something if you're working in a certain market. And I don't really oh, know. Okay. I don't really know how successful she was. Now she's living in Texas. But I met her in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Like, she told us that she was there for a digital nomad concert. Woo-woo. Anyway, so I remember doing a lot of research on Upwork and learning about Upwork and thinking to myself, damn, I wish I had a better skill set, <laughs> you know? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can do stuff with computers that, that uh, there's so many different things that need to be done nowadays, you know, divvying yeah. it up amongst is 
yeah. the obvious choice. So I'm, I'm, it's cool that I didn't know you were using Upwork. It's cool to hear that you're doing that and that same thing that you're using to power your family and power your life uh, when you're young, people can use to power their travel as well, which I think is kind of a, an interesting thing. You yeah, know, that's, I, I you wish could, there was more... Uh, like more of a need for travel for what I do. I mean, it's it's kind of like I'm working from home now because of all the the COVID nineteen stuff right now, and I'm just as fine working at home. Like I've got everything I need instead of being in the office. So I mean, it helps that I can work remote wherever I am, like for any client anywhere. But then it's like, well, they're not gonna send me to anywhere cool. I don't get to go to Shanghai or Japan just like. I can do my job from my living room, so I'm not going to get the <laughs> the backing to go anywhere for it. Yeah, well, but you can also go anywhere and do work uh, now that you're... I mean, you're young. Uh, I, I by suppose the time, that's true. By the time you're like in your mid-30s, you'll easily be able to like go take a six-month trip through some country. I mean, you'll, you'll have your uh, your kid, obviously... Nico, but yeah, as your your kid becomes older, uh, things are going to change in that regard, and I think you already having experience on it, and especially because uh, you're from like we're from the same high school, so yep, you, some of the like I never would have gone to Asia if I hadn't gone to California because in San Francisco, all the people I'm meeting and working at this hostel are traveling to Asia, especially a lot of people from Australia, and yeah. uh, so I don't think that people in Wisconsin are necessarily tuned in to the idea, like, I don't know anyone who's gotten out of high school and then just flown to India, which you could do, you know, if you had money, right? but uh, nobody's doing that, and it's fine, it's another experience you can have, but I think you're working on Upwork, uh, I mean, it's super relevant, that's what people who, all these people from... Europe and Australia and many people even from America are traveling Southeast Asia and maybe even India and other countries like that. Uh, a lot of people teach English to uh, Chinese students via the internet. Yeah, I, I honestly started looking into that too. I, I, before I had figured out that I wanted to do um, like IT computer stuff, um, I, I was obsessed with Japan. And was just trying to figure out, okay, how do I find a job where I can be in Japan? And, like, learning Japanese was not, uh, like, a problem. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do that. I, I can do whatever. It just looked like teaching English as a foreign language in those countries seemed like something that a lot of people do. But I don't know. I, like, just wasn't as passionate with, like, I just have, like, a natural thing with computers that it just came really easy, I guess. And... I would just stay so interested in it. Japan, it was like, I just wanted to be there. I didn't have a passion for teaching English, so I knew that that was like somehow not going to work out at some point, <laughs> so I didn't put all my eggs in that basket. 100%. When I was in Vietnam, this girl like offered me a quasi-job to teach English, like kind of an interview, and I went to the interview, and they were taking it way more seriously than I thought it was. Like I just showed up at this hospital and... <laughs> I'm paying to stay there. She's like, "Hey, you want to teach English?" I'm like, "Maybe, you know, maybe. Let me talk. <laughs> let me let me talk to your people yeah. and 
And uh, when I showed up, they like asked me for some stuff, and I was like, oh, I don't have that, you know. And I wasn't really yeah. passionate about it either. I just thought to myself, because I'm, I'm like a writer, you know, I write, I write my blog, and I feel like I'm right. good at communicating. It's part of the reason I'm doing this podcast. And I was like, okay, I think that I could take a group of kids and, for the right amount of money, dedicate six months to them, because one of the problems is you don't want kids to, like, get really attached to this teacher and then the teacher leaves, you know, one month into yeah. teaching or two months into teaching. It's really, like, right. uh, morally the right thing to do to finish a semester. And that was my big going into it. I was like, all right, I know I'm not, like, your average person, but whether these people <laughs> know it or not, I really want to, like, finish this project if I started because it has to do with kids. I think that's important. So since I bridged yeah. that gap in my own head, I was like, all right, that's what I think is important. How much English are they going to learn from me? I don't know. I know the English language very well, but I have no idea if I can teach it to kids. So I did some research right. on YouTube and started looking into how it would be done. And I went there prepared to teach a lesson. Like I thought I was going to have to go in and teach English for 30 minutes. I was hella nervous. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't, they just like talked to me for like 10 minutes and then they were like, all right, well, we'll call you if we're interested. And I was like, Oh, that's it. Yeah. You're definitely not going to call me. I didn't tell them that, but I was like, yeah, these people are not <laughs> yeah probably not going to call me but it was my my one experience and then i i uh um i found this guy on instagram who was going to uwm and he was going to go to vietnam and teach english in vietnam after he got out of college and he did that and he went to vietnam i should actually i thought about messaging him his name's adam and uh He's still over there, I think. And with all of this stuff going on, I've been really wondering really? about the digital nomad community. Like, there's this city called <laughs> Ubud in uh, Bali, Indonesia. Bali's an island in Indonesia. And then there's a city called Ubud. And there's this co-working space called uh, Hubud, H-U-B-U-D. Like, uh, like a co-working hub and hub mixed with the word Ubud. Uh, I've, yeah. I've not actually seen it written out, maybe. I haven't, uh, but I am aware of it. And so there's a bunch of people living out there. And I've been thinking about what that digital nomad community is going through right now with this virus situation, because it's probably a different situation in Asia, you know, not that like, uh, they don't have the same technology as us or something, but it's just, it's a different, it's a different medical situation. It's a lot more people and they're a lot less educated on like preventing the disease. I think like, you know, people are washing their hands less and stuff. So, right. Uh, I, I I don't know necessarily if I'd be worried because I'm like a healthy person if I was going to get sick, but I would just be like kind of wondering what kind of chaos is going to come. I have no idea how those digital nomads are going right now. This is a global crisis we're facing. This is maybe the yeah the most unified we've come together. Uh, in i don't know a long time i was writing about it and like i think this covid19 thing is going to help teach us how to deal with virus and disease in the future like next time something like this happens maybe we're able to nip it in the butt like really fast right uh because the last thing i think that existed like this was spanish flu in like 1918 or whatever 19 yeah something like that so the Spanish flu, and you'd read about it in the newspaper, and you'd know, you'd be like, whoa, Europe's got this flu, it's coming our way. Like, the, the smart people, the the people who are, like, wise and really, like, 
patient about intaking their information, uh, they would probably look at that and know the inevitability of it. Because there must have been, I can't believe that I knew about this thing in China, and I knew it was spreading, and it didn't occur to me that it was just going to keep spreading until that was it, until we all got used to it or something was figured out. I can't really believe now that I got this far in the game and didn't know that because that's something that easily I should have been deducing and pretty much been prepared for. I mean, as soon as I heard about that China built a hospital in like 10 days or whatever it was, I should have immediately been like, oh, something serious is happening. And I wasn't, (laughs) right? you know? And so during the Spanish flu epidemic, I don't know how they would have handled the news. You're reading the news in New York and you know that people are traveling there. You know, and you're worried about the Spanish flu coming, you know. But it's not the same thing as reading something on the internet or having the immediate access to information we have. And the fact that I misinterpreted the signs, and I think many people didn't realize what was coming. Uh, I mean, if this was something like Ebola, I think we would have been, like, super fast about it. I think it would have been, like, first of all, there's been problems with that before and we've contained it, you know. But I think if it was something... But it's like... You know, I'd talk to some people who were pretty educated in, in medicine, and they'd be like, oh, it's not much worse than the flu, you know? And now right. that it's it's out here, it's like, oh, it's it's a respiratory thing. It's different than the flu, and it yeah. is, you know, it's a problem. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. You said you're just doing your home quarantine thing, but I, yep. I wonder if this will be the first time in my life that I'll go through something like this, or the only time, you know? Uh, I'm starting to yeah, feel like know. it's just I mean, going to be the first. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know if anything will be um, as like dramatic as this. Like, I know for a lot of people, at least I'm I'm thinking about like the American office work culture because that's that's where I spend my time. But like thinking about uh, what this did to the company that I'm at and how. Uh, our IT team was like, okay, we just need to figure out a way to allow everybody to work from home now. Like sales agents, people with phones, um, you know, basically anyone who's not doing manual labor, um, how can we make them work at home? And once we did this, we, we set up this environment where people can work from home, they can use their phones, they take take laptops or even if they didn't take a laptop from us we can provide them with a virtual desktop that they just log into and have everything um, that they need for our work we just made it like um, incredibly apparent how um, how easily someone can just do their job from home like this office culture of going in from nine to five might kind of get reassessed and seen well okay we have to spend $2,000 to set up a cubicle, whereas we can send someone a laptop and they can just work from home and be just as efficient, if not more. I think so, some of that is going to start getting looked at. My my father does. He's been busy as hell setting up, you know, yep. VPNs for people and uh, woo-woo just, you know. When I talk to him, he always makes it more complicated than I can understand. So I, I know what he does. <laughs> But I don't know everything that he does. I think he can do a lot. Uh, he's been doing this for quite some time. But if everyone... Yeah. So there's there's there was the CEOs and maybe the higher-ups in these companies that I think had an existing fear of productivity loss and not really being able to keep track of their employees when they leave the building. Uh, so I right. think this event 
is make or break for that as an economy. Yeah, if your company can go <clears throat> completely remote and keep things exactly how they were, or better, or not that much, you know, worse. Uh, I think it'll right. it'll like show people, you know, and that's probably going to be something that's everywhere. It'll show these higher ups who maybe are less technology savvy or just, you know, run a different game. Their, yeah. their brain works different. They're like, okay, well, this is actually working. And maybe that'll do something for the economy when people aren't at their job all day, you know. Uh, exactly. They'll go out and spend more money places. I don't know if they'll even spend money, but they'll go places, you know. Right. Uh, and they won't be using their cars twice, three times a day just to go to work and back. Like That would be... Of. I mean, that's just emissions wise that's a huge difference that's a huge difference one thing so i've lived in like after living in san francisco for two years i lived in a city like i realized after that like oh neither of my parents have ever lived in a city they lived close to milwaukee they lived in the milwaukee area and milwaukee's yeah. a city you know i know people right. who are having kids and they're raising their kids down in river west like that kid's gonna grow up you know taking the bus with their parents and all sorts of stuff like that. Like, I, I didn't really grow up in that. I grew up in a city. But when you're in a city, you don't even right. have to have a car. I mean, you can literally get around everywhere on this public transportation system. And if you don't have a schedule, like, you don't have to be at work, you can just dedicate your day. Like, I love to wake up at, like, 5 in the morning and, like, hit the road basically right away. Like, I am <laughs> I, I wake up at 5 and I'm, like, packing up and stuff. And if there's a coffee shop that's open... 5 or 5.30, I'll go there. And the buses are running. Yep. If it's like a big city with a 24-hour bus system or a decent bus system, I can get somewhere. I can start my day like 5, 5.30, maybe 5.36 by the time I land somewhere in the morning, you know, Monday through Friday. And I don't have to be home. I don't have to be anywhere. Uh, I'm not worried about parking. I'm not worried about parking tickets. I'm not, yep. you know, worried about being in a city where there's no gas station. I'm not worried about... I mean, the car is, is just one thing. I, I'm hardly worried about making it back to my apartment, you know? Right. I, if I, like, if I'm out and I'm working, you know, you're... Uh, my job is a little more fluid. Right now, I'm not even doing anything. I, I was working in San Francisco, and then I ended up leaving the city, and both of my parents just bought their first house. So I went to Florida, and I visited my dad and saw his house, and now I'm in Wisconsin, and I was visiting my mom and seeing her house, and yeah. the world uh, is experiencing the closest thing I've ever seen to the apocalypse. So <laughs> right. I, I cooped up somewhere, a fairly unique place, the Cream City Hostel here. I'm over here at this hostel. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been keeping up. Word. So this, uh, you know, being here I thought was like, being in the city was the better option for me. Uh, yeah. As a writer and uh i say that i write to preserve uh contemporary society uh, pre preservation of contemporary society that's what i tell people i i write to do you know or write for yeah. so just like being in the city while this was going on there's going to be a lot more culture than being out in my mom's house and she's not all the way in the right. middle of nowhere but she's three-fourths of the way to the yeah. middle of nowhere um and where was I going with this? I don't know. But the the city, well, then you get the virus. The city thing is most affected by the virus. When you live out in the country, like, yeah. you know, 
you don't really got to worry about that. You know, social distancing is the norm. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, have you ever been to Japan? Yeah, I went to Japan in uh, 2016. That was oh, nice. just like a. I had spent. Um, I was at this IT job in in like 2015, um, and w- like we all got laid off, but they needed us. The, the company got bought. They needed us to stay there for a while. Like they needed us for a year. They were like, "You're fired after a year, but but we need you to help transition <laughs> all this stuff." All right. So uh, we were like, okay, we'll, we'll stay for like a retention bonus. If we stay for the rest of the year, we get a bonus at the end of the year, which ended up it, my bonus at the end of that was a, like a lump sum of half of my yearly salary. So I got like, a, like 150% oh, wow. of what I would normally get that year and then just cut off at that point. And I was... I think I was like maybe 22, 23 when that happened. So Boss. I was like, holy shit, I'm rich. This is dope. <laughs> I mean, I really wasn't when you think about it, but for someone, for like a kid like me who has like a $400 car and eats ramen noodles every day, like yeah. you can, if you have $20,000, like you're like, dude, I could retire right now. <laughs> so. I had yes. this mindset of like, dude, all right, this is awesome. I don't have to work anymore. And I ended up taking off like for a year, just doing nothing. I I thought I was going to do all this cool stuff, like all this stuff that you're talking about where you're getting up at 530 and like just riding buses and checking out local places. Like I thought that I was going to be doing that. And then it turned out that I just didn't put on pants for like four months straight and just sat on my computer and i was like dude this is not what this was supposed to be man i I thought that this was going to be so cool and um and then i at some point in that i had um i I don't know if you if you guys talk about drugs or anything on this podcast oh yeah but everything (laughs) i just marked a little explicit thing okay great so, um, at some point, I, I started like doing acid just because I was like, I've got nothing else to do. And I've up. never tried it, so so I'll try it out. And it was like, uh, like I didn't do it a ton, um, like to the point where it was dangerous. But like I did it like on and off for like two weeks, just kind of oh, like yeah, okay. feeling it out. And uh, like by the end of it, or or at some point in it, I was like, dude. I just, like Japan is a real place that actually exists. Like my in my head, this whole time it's been like this place out of a movie that I'm like a fan of. But no, it's like a real like it actually exists, and I can get up on a plane and go there and see it. So I was like, dude, yeah, all right, fuck it, I'm just gonna buy a plane ticket. And so I bought a plane ticket for like two weeks out. Like I did not plan this at all. I was like, all right, two weeks. I'm just going to go to Japan for as long as I can. Spend like, I think it was like 21 days, 24 days that you can go without getting a, some kind of visa. So oh, I was yeah. just like, all right, I'll do that. I went out to Japan and just jumped from hostel to hostel, stayed in, in some cool places, like in those little tiny cubes um, where your your apartment or your uh, hotel room is basically just your 
your bed with a sheet that covers the end of it. Hell yeah, I was, okay. I, I was living life at that moment, and it was just like, that, that trip, like, the, the uh, psychological acid trip before that, and then the actual vacation trip combined um, was like, I don't know, it was just eye-opening. And I came back, and I just came back, like, rejuvenated and ready to go back to work. And I and I just did. Like, I just came back, I started applying for places, and got hired, like, right back where I left off, and just, like, picked up my life after that. It was kind of just a weird, I don't know, just a switch that turned on, like, okay, I did that, and now we're back. Fucking awesome, dude. That's so cool. So, uh... Wow, how many cities did you visit in Japan? Just one. Uh, I went to no. I, I stayed in Tokyo for a while, and then um, I went to Osaka okay. um, at the end, um, and and Kyoto. So uh, I went from Tokyo to Osaka to Kyoto, um, and then honestly, like I had planned that I was gonna stay in Kyoto for a lot longer than I did. Um, Kyoto is like. A lot more traditional Japan, like Edo period, um, like samurai type stuff. When you're thinking of that, like old fashioned, like 1100s type stuff. Um, okay. And I was like, yeah, I really want to check that out. But I went to Tokyo first, and I just like loved it there. Like the fact that just everything was running all the time, 24 seven everything. Is it and still the largest like, city in the world? I have no idea. I don't know. It I don't used know if they would. Huh. Uh, I don't know. It's probably some like Dubai or something now. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> uh, no way. Tokyo had 30 million people in like 2001. Really? Um, yeah. Um, man. Yeah, they had like. But yeah. I had just loved. Um, I just loved the city so much that, like, I cut my trip short when I was in Kyoto. I was going to stay there for, like, another four days or so. It was Yeah, like, another four or five days. And I was like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to hit Tokyo again. Like, I'm just going back to Tokyo. I'm spending the rest of my trip there because that was where I had the most fun. Like, I had met people. I, I knew people there from, um, from the high school we had exchange students that i met up with at some point so okay i was like yeah all right so i got people i i had like regular bars that i would go to and like i could i could hardly talk to these people but there was still some kind of connection <laughs> that i was like ah, i want to go see my guys man <laughs> wow yeah i look forward to doing that now that i've been around the world and i've met some people um but wow man yeah, I, that uh, was, this is just a nice time man i'm just i try to figure out like i'm working and and all this stuff now just like in the back of my head trying to figure out how to do that again and it's hard with with a kid and like supporting a family and all this stuff trying to trying to you know work every day I'm trying to th- like figure out when I could possibly do that again, and it's like, I don't know, years out. Yeah, planning like at least. Planning ahead of time is key, and uh, 
Well, right now with this virus, traveling is going to be just a strange thing for a while. The whole travel industry and hospitality industry is just uh, being thrown through a loop right now. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to look like on the other side. Neither do I. This chain of hostels in California called USA Hostels, which was one yep. of my favorite chains of hostels, they closed. And so yeah. uh, uh, I was like, whoa, you know, I thought they had had their shit together. And it's not saying that they didn't have their shit together just because they closed, but, right. you, you know, I mean, the Green Tortoise isn't closing. So they are closing, but not forever. Um, yeah. And I don't really know what the future of of it's going to be. People are going to be a little more freaked out. So traveling, I met someone once that told me, and I don't remember who told me this or where they told me this, uh, that before 9-11, you'd get on a plane, and the plane would only be like half full. Like not all the seats would be full. And you could get up and walk around and go talk to people and mingle like you would on like a half empty bus or a half empty train you know what i mean like if you've ever taken a train it's half empty and yeah and then after 9-11 every seat's packed you know and why why is every seat packed though that just that how does that get there well first of all for money purposes because they're getting they're getting the most out of uh the plane trip and the environment when they're using the gasoline but it also must have something to do with security you know, but I just, I, I've thought a lot about why, but important for me is definitely the holy crap. I didn't know that. I didn't live through that to see that difference, even though I did take a plane before nine 11, but I didn't live through that to see that difference. And it took a long time for somebody to think that that information was important enough to tell me, um, you know, it's not like, like, Anybody who's old, old enough, and, and used to take planes through that period, they would have noticed that, and they would know it, but for somebody to, somebody was like, once they told me, I mean, as soon as I heard that, I was like, whoa, that is a huge difference. That's like an important piece of the future that I didn't know about. That's a big ass right. change. You know, the plane's going from yeah. half full to fully full, and and now we've got this virus here, and I'm wondering what kind of changes we're going to see, and... That's the big change I think of when I'm like, oh, have I heard about or seen any changes in the past with things? The planes changing the capacity, uh, uh, fullness of their capacity is like a big one that maybe people don't talk about a lot. So what is this virus going to affect? How hard is it going to make travel? You know, you, like you said, you can go to Japan for like 24 days without a visa. You can go to Thailand for 30 days without a visa. And that's... Yeah. It makes it really nice and easy. Like, yeah, if you like come up on some money or you're the kind of person that doesn't plan, but you save and then you willy-nilly want to go somewhere, there's a lot of options for you, especially as an American, uh, yeah. to just travel to. Uh, Japan's a little bit more expensive, but it's super nice. I was having, <clears throat> even though we're on this phone call, I was having some weird things go on with uh, my internet. So I wasn't able to look up if Tokyo is still the largest city in the world, but it was for a long time. There's this sweet YouTube channel that like takes a bunch of things. It'll be like the top 10 largest cities in the world, 1989 through 2019. And on a graph, uh, 
it'll like show them and then you'll see certain cities climb like you know you know shanghai or whatever will slowly climb the ladder and overtake all the other cities i forget the name of the youtube channel but yeah youtube pushes that stuff to me i've watched uh, two or three of those only <laughs> i don't i don't spend a ton yeah. of time on youtube so you're teaching yourself new skills anything like uh what kind of stuff is it like on the computer or with your hands oh um like during this quarantine i've been like shredding on guitar as much as i can uh that's something that i've i used to do a lot and have not done in a long time so i just started playing and uh i've got i got really into uh bluegrass and uh billy strings especially is just one of these guitar players that for the first time in in like decades i've i was actually like inspired to play by this guy so i've I've just been working on guitar playing um for the most part and then um nice i've i've just been sitting on uh on youtube watching um like these engineering videos this guy um named martin he lives in france right now and he's he's building this marble machine and it is it, like it's a musical instrument he built one years ago it, it was in some viral video that you probably may have seen it at some point it, it's pretty old now but he's been working on this new one and okay um, well you drop a marble like, in and it does all sorts of stuff yeah he he it's like a big hopper filled with marbles and he turns a crank and the marbles fall down and like they hit notes on like a, a xylophone oh. And, uh, like, a drum, like, it hits a snare drum or a hi-hat. Like, and then these marble, marbles fall, and he can program. It's all, like, a mechanical thing. He he puts little pegs in holes and cranks it, and it pours mar- marbles out in tune. And it's it's a really cool machine. But he's he's been working on this for... Th- this one he's been working on since, like, 2017, I think. And, uh... Oh it's it's still not done and he gives like the most detailed build um of the like the last week everything he does the entire like engineering process from drafting to to like creating it uh demoing it and breaking it and like going back to the drawing board he documents all this stuff in just really cool videos they're really easy to watch but like it's something that i'm not even remote i mean i'm kind of doing some low-level engineering when it comes to um like making keyboards and stuff but watching this guy's process is just kind of out of this world it's called uh, winter gotten wednesdays if anyone wants to listen to it but winter gotten wednesdays yeah winter gotten I, I believe is swedish for like the milky way but that's okay. his band is called uh, his band is called Winter Gotten, and so okay. yeah, it it's it's a trip to watch. I think he's he'll probably finish it this year. I'm hoping, but we'll see. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. I, I that's not what I was thinking of, but I'm definitely into music, and I'm definitely into cool stuff like that. Uh, sounds like some good timing. Yeah, good times with good timing. I'm down for that. Wow. So when's the last time you actually left your house? 
Um, yesterday. I I went and bought bought some beer and snacks. Like I'm not oh. um I'm not like afraid of going outside or like I'm not stopping myself from just going outside, but I'm like not hanging out with people and not like hanging around crowded places and Yeah, I'm, I'm a similar way. I I haven't gone out in maybe 5 days now. But Oh yeah. I'm not afraid to. I just stocked up so I haven't had to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the only reason I've been going out is just, and I live right next to a, a grocery store, so I just walk over oh. there, grab what I need and come back. So word word. Yeah, I fear to think how long this is going to go on for. I mean, it's March 22nd today. Yeah. Yep. And I'm wondering what July is going to be like. I've already like pretty much written off you know, May and June and April, yeah. April, May, April, May, June as like, they're going to be strange. I don't know if we're going to be back on track by July, but by July, I'll be able to scope the like historical damage that this is going to do. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, some of the smoke I think will be cleared. Even if we don't have a vaccination and we're still, you know, semi hibernating and we're like, uh, you know, playing it real safe. Right. I'd like to wait until July to make an official like judgment in my head about like, okay, how end of the world is this? And, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, somebody who travels and, and likes to travel, I'm like, whoa, you know, the whole, yeah, that's... the whole game is going to change. Not just, you know, with the, with the traveling, but with the working remotely, you know? Yeah. And then if a lot of people start working remote, yeah, they'll probably come to their own conclusion. Like, oh, I've always wanted to go to Japan. I'm actually going to mm-hmm. do it. Because I remember when <laughs> that occurred to me, too. Like, wow, I can actually go places. Like, like leaving was right. kind of something thrust upon me. Like, the only... You know, I had taken little trips to, like, South Dakota and Texas, like, in my car. And then when yeah. I went out west for good, it was like... Uh, okay, that was kind of thrust upon me. But then leaving the country was definitely a choice. It was like I bought a ticket and then I waited, you know, and it was like, yeah, whoa, you can do it. You actually just do it. And it's surprising right. how different things are. Japan is probably, well, it's so much different than America, you know, but it's like got a lot right. of really nice stuff. There were some things I thought I lost access to traveling. You might have had access to even more cooler stuff in Japan. Did you try out right. any of their cool their cool vending machines? Oh yeah, yeah. I, t- I tried out everything that I could that I could find. But like I, um, I think in like 2013, two, 2012, I can't remember exactly which, but I had gone to um, I stayed in Guatemala for a month, just like bumming around with uh relatives that i have down there so that that was like a very different experience than japan i mean my cousins down there are um they do well they're 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 pretty wealthy down there so like i i've kind of felt like like the fresh prince of guatemala like i went down there (laughs) and they were like they had these like marble floors and like pillars on their house and stuff and i was like dude oh word 
take me out to the jungle and like drop me off in a hostel somewhere this is not what i thought this was gonna be so i started doing that too i i just went out that's that was my first experience in a hostel in um samuk champay and it was just like this i don't know it was the most beautiful place i had ever seen and like there's no wi-fi no phone like it's just in the mountains like I don't know. I, I was a lot more, uh, I was like 18 at the time. So I was like way more excited to do that than I would be now. Like, I think now I'm like, dude, no, I need internet wherever I like, I just need it. I got to be connected somehow, which probably isn't healthy, but I, that's where my mindset is at now. So I'm glad I went when I did. I like to be connected. I think I could go to the middle of nowhere and deal with no internet, but, uh, after, yeah, is that so bad? Like, I feel guilty for, like, wanting internet wherever I go. No, like, don't I, feel like guilty. Like, I've lost some kind of, like, I've lost some kind of primal instinct of just being in the world. But, like, I can still take in the moment. Like, I still appreciate where I am whenever I'm there. But, I don't know, like, there, there's a security to it that maybe I, I yeah. cling on to. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with wanting internet, you know. This is a world you got to make your choices in and... Making right. the internet choice is wise. One thing I did think about regarding this virus, and somebody mentioned it, and I was like, whoa, I didn't even think of that. If regular services like internet stopped, then I would be like, this is... Oh, yeah. That, w- that would be insane, right? No- nothing like that is going to happen because of this virus. But somebody said something that made me think, I'm like, whoa, yeah. If all of a sudden all the internet stopped working, I would be like, okay, this is the end of the yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, that would not be... Yeah. I don't know so what I don't, I'd do. I'd be freaking out. <laughs> I don't foresee that happening at all. Uh, no, I don't listening. think so either. For anybody listening and they're like, is this the end of the world? No. The internet, if the internet stopped working, I would be like, that is the first checkbox to the end of the world in the modern day. But <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. we, don't, we don't run that risk right now. So yeah. uh, knowing that, yeah, I don't have problems with the pre-scheduled time with no internet. But I'm I'm like you. I like I didn't travel when I was when I was nineteen I took my trip to South Dakota, but that was it. I didn't travel out of the country until I was twenty six. Yeah. Um so oh. Well, I was in Mexico for like three hours when I was six months old, but I I don't really <laughs> remember it. So sometimes I think right. I remember it, but I don't know. So Yeah. Uh Yeah, I'm looking at this poster of coffee on the wall here. What time is it now? Eleven, almost yeah, twelve. We've been going for, going for fifty minutes. We didn't even talk about keyboards. I thought that was about to be, like the main thing. Yeah, we didn't There's even just talk so about much... keyboards. <laughs> we, pretty, uh, we didn't do an intro of any kind. We just sort of rolled into it, Joe Rogan style. But you, I thought you could always that. add one after the fact. <laughs> I thought about that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if you, if you want to talk about, um, keyboards for a bit, that's, uh, that was something that I had thought that I was going to talk about and just didn't even, didn't even occur to us, man. There's just so much going on and so much to talk about that, like, things are going out the window left and right and you just <laughs> roll with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of just, you know, zoning over here, spent a week inside, yeah, I'm just talking it off, but, uh keyboards is interesting because when i saw you were building keyboards i was like whoa 
Dom's building keyboards. I had seen a couple of those things online, you know, uh, yeah. being, being out in a tech city, you know, occasionally I'd see someone with one. But then when I saw you were building them, I was like, oh, nice, you know, I got a friend that's involved with this. And as somebody who writes, and I write a lot. I mean, <laughs> I've written uh, 32 things this month and it's like 22 days into it so that's like one and a half things a day or something i was thinking about it and it's like whoa Jeez. i've only published i've only published like two things and each thing is like two pages long so i'd be doing all this yeah. writing you know and uh so a keyboard is an important piece of my life what right made you build a keyboard like where were you like i'm gonna build a keyboard because it's cool i yeah it was a weird um like j- I was just trying to find a birthday present for my brother at some point. And, uh, and I had seen like these little, um, stream deck type things where it's just like a little macro pad that has like, like eight buttons on it and you plug it into your laptop and you can program the eight buttons to like open certain programs or or do stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And it was like 80 bucks. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to pay $10 per key. That's ridiculous. There's got to be an easier way to make one of these. And I started looking at these like small like do it yourself PCB um like uh just small macro pads that had like 16 keys on it. And you had to assemble it and and solder everything on yourself and like program it and it came with like a little microchip and everything and i was like dude this this is cool so i bought one for my brother and i was like but i don't know if like i don't know how difficult this is to do so maybe i I should do one for myself first and so i bought the same kit for myself and i built it and i was like this is fucking awesome this keyboard is too small i need i need to build i like i'm gonna build a full-size keyboard like immediately once i had finished that small one i was like okay that's cool i'm building a full-size keyboard and so i just started looking up like um like they've got all kinds of different sizes like you and i were talking about early um but like i had picked out a size that i liked and then just ordered the pcb myself like i ordered a pre-existing pcb in a case and I built it, like, I got all the pieces, I soldered it all together and programmed it, and it was like, okay, that's cool. But I was, but again, I was like, man, like, I could, I just, like, bought all these pieces and assembled, like, a kit, basically. I could, I could do this myself. So I had, <laughs> like, I just kept on going deeper and deeper into this hole, and I was like, dude, okay, so I'm just gonna, instead of using a PCB, I'm gonna hand wire this thing, because now I kind of understood how the microcontroller um, spoke to um, each of the keys and it like it's just like a grid matrix setup and I was like dude so I could just wire this with my own hands and so I just put these um, the keys into a plate and wired it up myself and just soldered all the wires together and um, at that point I had to actually like program the keyboard from scratch because the the PCB never existed. That exact layout did not exist anywhere. So I had to like build the firmware of the keyboard itself. And tell uh, me what PCB stands for. Uh, it's a printed circuit board. So it's just okay. That's like the um, 
like the, it is the, the green board. part with the right with the board. So like yeah. that's got all the contacts on it, and that's what you solder pieces to. So is so it to cheaper do it to do without, it yourself, or it's just more enjoyable, like artistically speaking? Um, I, I both actually, but I mean PCBs are not expensive anyways. I mean they're maybe like twenty bucks. Um, okay. And that's like, you you could probably order five for twenty bucks. It's all just about you know you get them from China, so you're paying more for shipping than anything. Um, okay. So, but that was the thing, like, when I first did it without a PCB and, like, hand wiring it myself, I was like, this is really cool, but, like, now I can't, I should just make a PCB. And so I, I like, just started going on YouTube and learning, um, like, PCB schematic designs, and I just started taking stuff and putting it together and, like, designing a PCB in, in CAD. And I laid this thing out and did all the traces and everything, and uh, and and then I uh, yeah I just like built this PCB and sent it off sent the plans off to China and got five of them back, and like it worked mostly. I, I messed up on a couple of things that that now I can fix, but it just felt so weird to have like this piece of electronic equipment that I had like invented. I mean, I didn't invent the keyboard, but I was like, dude, I made this. This is, uh, like, this doesn't exist anywhere else. So then I start, you know, I started playing with programming the keyboards in different ways and, like, like experimenting with dials and, and LED screens. And even on, on the keyboard that we're doing, experimenting with uh, Bluetooth and battery capacity, all kinds of crazy stuff. Just, like, I don't know. I don't know, like how i got this deep into it i just all of a sudden was like dude this is cool i'm gonna build my own keyboard and i don't know it's it's been a lot of fun it and like very pleasing to like use the keyboards but i don't know people might think it's a bit crazy or uh like overboard when you could just buy one from best buy but it's i don't know it's just not the same no, I think uh, custom-built keyboards are the future. Not for everyone, maybe, but definitely for me. And, uh, you know, then I started doing some research further than just catching some pictures on the internet. I went and searching for some stuff, and then some of the people yeah. I found, I was like, do you know these guys? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm in the same discussion group as them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yep. I think you're pretty uh, much on the right path for an industry that's, hyper niche but right. everybody says niche but I say niche it's hyper niche industry but it, it's like I think uh, if you love doing it do it and do it until you're bored of it and yep. then leave that little piece of history behind you know because right. a custom built keyboard I mean like uh, yeah you're as soon as I found out and then now you're working on one and I probably owe you about a hundred bucks for that uh, now that it's a time of crisis, you know, I'm still good for it. Yeah, I know, and I've been, I was planning on, uh, so for for the, um, for your keyboard, all I need to do now is um, put it in, like, build a case and put it into the case. I have all the, it, like, it's all wired and everything. Um, you bought the keys? No. Oh, you didn't buy keycaps? I don't remember, no. I don't remember okay. if you 
That's right. Yeah. I think you sent you well, sent me a link. But e- yeah, either whatever. way, if no. you're yeah, better to not because I don't have anything have to. <laughs> right. Now I want some crisis keycaps. You know, something yeah. like COVID nineteen colors. <laughs> um. Okay. Are you still gonna? How are you gonna? What are you gonna do about the case? Um, what did you well, do about I was the other gonna, ones? I had um, uh, Bill and I made it. Bill Vandersanden. Um, he made it out of Word. a wine box. He did most of the of the cutting and stuff. Um, he he had all the supplies for it. So I'm gonna need at least his tools, and uh, I. I by the time I was planning on going over there, they they were in England, um, so I couldn't okay, go over there. They were over there for like two weeks, and then they got back like the day before, um, like people started going on quarantine. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna hang out with you guys. You just spent the last however many hours in airports, and so yeah, word up. Sure I've been up. I've been social distancing from uh, from Bill for a minute, but." He's probably coming up close on 14 days of, of no symptoms, so he might be safe to go see soon. So Okay. I just, yeah, I just got to get the case um, together. Like, the, the program, like, programming and everything works. So, like, I can connect to it with my phone and everything, and it, it's just really satisfying to see that uh, the Twain Enterpriser that you've connected to it and that you can actually type a key with it. So that's... Fuck yeah, dude. That's cool. Um, yeah, I'm honored to be uh, the first Bluetooth model. Which, honestly, since I bought a laptop, uh, I, I'm still going to use the Bluetooth, obviously, but I was like, okay, you know, change the game. Uh, yeah. It, a lot depends on the case, you know, a heavy case. But... It's going to be around forever, you know? It's, like, going to be a quality right. machine that's probably going to keep working for many, many years to come, so... Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it should ex- be. Yeah, I'm excited for it to get some use and gather some dust, and then right. get some use and then gather some dust again. Yeah, I love investing in quality things so they're around for a long time. That's a big thing. And then, uh, like, another part of it that... That like got really like you got me a little more inspired in the personal craft of it because I could like when you started telling me about this like I immediately saw your need for it and like you as a creative person want to have like if your tools are creative in themselves like that just kind of puts you like at a little elevated plane when you do anything like. I don't know, like, 100%. typing on a keyboard that just, like, feels... Like, when I type on a keyboard that I made myself, something about, like, what I'm typing is just coming out of me in a different light. Like, just a little slightly different. Like, knowing that the keyboard... Like, if you're going to be typing on it, knowing that this keyboard was, like, hand-built for you with you in mind, and, like, you know, Bluetooth and lightweight and this certain size and battery life like all that stuff was dictated by you and put into a physical object that then you can use so i was like yeah there actually could be like like instead of just building a bunch and posting them online for sale like it should be more of like a 
a connection like like a personal i don't know a commissioned keyboard i guess is is probably a better approach to it and i didn't think about it in that way until we got in contact i think that oh really i think that that is maybe the future of uh creative people's keyboards because I really like this personal touch. Like when I saw one thing about getting a tattoo for me for a long time. In fact, I just got my first tattoo inside of a tattoo shop uh, when I was in Vegas. I got like a little ohm symbol. I, was, really? I remember being in there. Yeah, but I've had tattoos. You know, I got my first first tattoo at like nineteen or something. Uh, it's on my broken shoulder. And but for me, it was more about who did the tattoo than what the tattoo was of. Now, I've only got the four tattoos, and two of them are done by the same person, so I don't have very many people uh, tattooing up my body. But for me, it's more like if I met a tattoo artist, you know, and they're like, you know, obviously money comes into play. It always does. Yeah. Uh, uh, One thing I've been writing about and talking about is everything has to satisfy the economical monster. Everything has to satisfy the economy, and if it doesn't, you have that problem with it. And if it satisfies the economy, then you can move forward. And so obviously there's always money to lubricate things. But once I found out you were making keyboards, it's like, oh, that personal touch. And now here we're doing this podcast, uh, all probably because of that, you know, we were already like friends and, and I was already following you on Instagram and in contact, but But yeah, yeah, it sparked something. Yeah, and exactly. And, and I think the personal touch of everything is important and that so I'm not I don't believe in God uh, I guess I would be agnostic and but I do believe that there's like a, an altogether vibe in the universe you know like I do yeah. think that like I don't fully believe in tarot cards like I've never gone and gotten my cards read by mm-hmm. like a tarot reader but I do own tarot cards and I do pull them out and and play with them once in a while, and read my future, and I do it with other people, and so I believe in uh, an energy that one cannot see, and so I do believe that the outcome of the work is generated by the tool you use, and if the tool is like a personalized tool, rather than, yeah, I bought this at a big box store, or even, hey, I bought even more than I bought this like limited edition run. If you have a limited right. edition keyboard, you're like, oh, this guy came out with 10 keyboards and I got one. Yeah. That's still a unique vibe, maybe more unique than the big box store, but a different right. unique kind of vibe than like, oh, this guy made this for me. Because obviously when I write with it, you know, I'm going to bring you up, maybe not every time because I write so often, but you know, from time to time it's going to be like, oh, right. I'm writing on this keyboard my guy Dom made me. And, and I think it's... Uh, one thing I've thought about is people getting this like if they get a a microchip in their brain or whatever like elon musk is talking about and people are super smart and they have access to all this information all the time everybody will know the price of everything and if everybody knew the price of everything all the time it would open the bartering system back up like the only reason that that bartering i think not the only reason but one of the reasons bartering disappeared is because people who didn't have the education to understand what things were worth would just constantly get ripped off. You know, like when you were a kid and you had a Pokemon card, didn't know how much it was worth, and then all of a sudden you traded away. That happened to me uh, once or twice. And so, but if you have access to the internet, 
in your brain all the time. You're going to know what everything's worth, maybe, if you choose right. to use it that way. And then that'll open up the bartering system so much more. I'm kind of excited for a future that has that, you know, because oftentimes uh, what's frustrating is people don't, people think their stuff is worth too much or they're not realistic about price or, you know, just not comfortable with the bartering system. Um, yeah. And people are also not comfortable with negotiation. That's especially big. I follow this YouTube channel. I used to follow them for a while. The Minority Mindset. It's this guy, Jaspreet Spring or Singh. Jaspreet Singh. And he's like, uh, I think he's from India. But he might be from Pakistan. And he talks about how in where he's from, people are bartering over the price of an orange. You know, like, oh, this guy's got an orange over there for, you know, less money. You know, they're yeah. bartering over over not much money. And then here you come to America and it's like nobody barters. You just pay the price. Like, right. I remember one day when I realized, like, oh, you can't just barter with the people at Walmart. Like, they are just going <laughs> right. to be confused. That's not part of – they're not even explained. If someone comes up and barter you, this is – you have to tell them why we're not doing that. Like, no. If someone comes up – or negotiate, <laughs> I mean. If someone comes up and tries to negotiate a price on something, that's not happening. But you can do that with a small business. And in other yeah. countries, it's – seems to be practically the norm um and i think with the bartering system you'll get some of that back you'll never be like going to a walmart and barter but you know a little a lot better than craigslist <laughs> yeah hmm. yeah i never yeah. thought of that well and so you know you're making me this keyboard and not only am i like paying for the parts but i think it will uh pay you back in the future if you keep doing it or whatever you work on because i'm like gonna write about it and that's a unique kind of barter i think that's a that's a barter a lot of creatives go after uh you know as somebody i make freestyle rap and so there's a lot of people who be making beats and they're like no free beats you know because uh, (laughs) people are always like oh you give me the beats for free and then when i become like a super famous rapper i'll pay you back for the beats you made but it's like it actually takes a long time to produce those things. Now that I'm older and I'm seeing how it all works and I'm meeting people, it's right. like some people are actually making decent money making beats. Some people are, you know, if you're over and living in Vietnam and you're selling beats for super cheap, but you're selling a lot of them, you're going to make a pretty good living. And you just do that for a little bit, come back home, you know, if you're from America yeah. or whatever. Uh, huh. You can really, because there's a lot of people, I know one guy who makes music videos and he lives in like Da Nang and he's charging $1,000 for a video. And he really only does like one a month, but they're really high quality videos because he's put, he really likes being there. He likes what he does. And so he puts his all into the videos. Like he still makes enough money to live, but he spends a lot of that money making the video and, you know, bribing security guards or whatever he has to do to get his work done. Um, You know, uh, I kind of got lost in the sauce there. Uh, (laughs) Train of thought. It's about though, right? What's up? That's what it's about, though, right? You're, yeah. You're just here to oh. tell stories and hear stories and make a conversation, just right? So, coasting with the most, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, uh, we're about an hour and twelve minutes into this. I'm thinking, like, I kind of want to eat some lunch. I don't know. Yeah. What are you? What are your plans for the rest of the day? Do we have more to talk about? Um. You know. I don't know. Yeah, I gotta get. Uh, I should probably eat something too. The whole whole uh, kind of morning, just like 
went. I don't know where it went. I didn't even realize a whole hour had gone by. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how it was when I was talking with Greg too. All of a sudden, I was like, "Well, we've been talking for a minute," because we were kind of just chopping it up and chatting. The first guy I interviewed, he was a business owner, and we talked. I asked him a lot of questions about business. But at the end, not at the end, but yeah, we were we were talking. All of a sudden, you're like, "We didn't even talk about keyboards." I'm like, "Holy crap, we didn't even talk about keyboards." <laughs> and I yeah. wanted to. I wanted to bring up like the news and maybe read some news articles and talk about current events and stuff, um, and do other things like that. So yeah. that didn't happen either. Um, so I don't know what your plan is. I, I definitely do want to take a break. I'm wearing these headphones here, and people are waking up here at the hostel, so I'm going to say what's up to everybody here. But we could either <laughs> yeah. like continue this later today or uh, edit this one up, and if we like it. You know, just do another one. I don't even yeah, have to that... post it directly to my podcast. I can like post these these audio clips anywhere. I can put them on YouTube too and stuff. You know, right? Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Let's um, yeah. Let's take a break and then let me um, you send me over what what you have somehow. Um, I don't know what if you can like just email the wave files or whatever you've got. But yeah, email um, would be best. Let me. Maybe message me your email. I might already have it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll just. I'll, and then I noticed um, on Greg's um, podcast, at least you had um, you guys were sitting like in opposite sides of the mic, so you guys were like kind of in a left and right ear kind of thing. We can yeah, we can that... simulate that with this too. I can kind of put one of us on each side. Like oh, a, a I didn't even, bit. I didn't even uh, mean to do that on purpose. I'm still kind of figuring out how to use this microphone the right way, and uh, I kind of wish it just mixed them together. I don't mind the left. Did you like it with the left and the right? With two headphones in, yeah, it sounds cool. But if you don't have two headphones in, you're kind of lost. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe that's not the way. But I can like make it so it's like a little. Like a little I'm, bit favored on either side, but like you wouldn't be missing anything if you had it just a mono channel, anyways. Uh, okay, I'm excited to see how my end turns out because I have this microphone set up, and honestly, the positioning is pretty bad. But I decided not to move it, uh, and <laughs> I'm still learning how to use this recorder. Once I get titled how to use it the best way, uh, yeah. it'll produce the best sound, you know. But so, all right, I'll email you over what I have, and then. Okay. You know, we'll whip it up and, you know, I'll just message you and we'll do this again sometime because I thought this was a pretty easy conversation to have and I think that's uh, what people like listening to is a good flow. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I don't know if you want to like record some kind of intro or something just so so we have somewhere to start because I don't know, like we went straight from like troubleshooting something. And then, like, just right into it. So I don't know how you want it to begin is up is up to you, or if you want to do some kind of I don't know. That's up to you to uh, figure out what kind of podcast structure you want going forward. Yeah, I so. was thinking I could just do it on my end uh, yeah. if I wanted to th- throw something on at the beginning. I might not. I'm just kind of winging it right now. I think yeah. that posting posting consistently will be important, and yep. the further on I go. Uh, I might throw an intro on there. Um, I might record. Yeah, some I don't know where to end it, it either. 
Uh, we could just end it willy-nilly, you know. I, I don't think that this is, uh, you know... My podcast is definitely for people who just want something to listen to that's outside of the realm of, like, everything else. I don't even know. I just, you know, I just... I just bought the recorder, you know, and yeah. and the more I'm using it, the more I'm like, okay, this is... Because I have some <laughs> other equipment that I haven't been using as much, like this 3D camera and uh, this camera gimbal. But the recorder yeah. audio is definitely something I, I like, the audio experience. And so to pre- be able to provide something uh, in the form of not necessarily an indestructible item, but just like... You make it once, it's there forever. Because that's what my writing is. You know, I type it up, and then it's like, it's there, it's done. I'll be able to go back yep. and read that forever. And I kind of wish I had been doing it longer. But it's also not just like a journal I keep in my house. It's a public, it's available to the public, and, and there's a reason for that, and I like it like that. And so yeah. I think uh, this is a similar thing. And the people who are listening to it, I don't think they need an intro or an outro. But I might give True. them a little bit of something because yeah, yeah just in I do case they to, don't like, know who I am <laughs> like, as, well like, I, no one's gonna know I mean uh that is true man, you're right <laughs> just uh, you know why I guess I to this guy I guess once you had married the two together and sent it back to me and I listened to it I would probably uh add something in and if you want to add in your own like uh send a separate clip back to me that's just like you know Hey, my name is Dom, and this is what I do. Uh, But maybe I'll add a little thing at the beginning, like, Hey, it's Spark Twain here. You know, woo-woo, we're talking to my friend Dom, and talk about the keyboard a little bit, and kind of how we got back to talking to each other since high school, and more intimately speaking than just, like, you know, messaging on Instagram once in a while, the keyboard, and then on to the, like, okay, let's conversate a podcast, because, you know, interesting people are interesting to talk to. Yeah. Uh, so I, I might record a little bit of that and throw it on at the beginning. Yeah, because I don't want people to be lost and just be like, "Who is this dude?" So yeah, uh, right. You can you can record your own thing if you want as well and yeah, add it see, on. I'll see if I, I get anything that sounds normal. Yeah, or maybe I'll make mine before I even send it over to you. You know that could oh, be. Oh yeah, too. sure. Yeah. Right up. All right. Uh, well, then cool, I'm man. Gonna... I'll just be. I'll wait for that. I'm going to be at the house for a little while, you know, next two or three months or so. So I'm, av- <laughs> <laughs> I'm available whenever you send it over. I'll just kind of splice it together. Right. I don't know if you want me to like, uh, like edit, edit it, like take out like beats where nothing's happening, or like if one of us coughed and I, neither of us did that, but like shit like that. I don't really do any of that. I just keep it simple, you know. Right. Uh, the first one I did, I had to do a lot of editing, and I split it into two tracks, and I made the other person louder because they were, like, significantly quieter than me yeah. in the original. But uh, if this one sounds even remotely good from the beginning, because there's going to be a lot of stuff on my end of the microphone, yeah. I think, that uh, it's just going on in the background. You don't necessarily have to cut that out, no. I think it's fine <laughs> right. to leave it, you know. I just look at the... Uh, waveform and if there's anything that's crazy huge I like go check out what it is and maybe I silence it you know if I have to right. if it's like painful for people but, right uh, <laughs> alright I got cool, it man. yeah I'll ship that over to you in like an hour or two probably yeah I'll send you my uh, my email word 
Well, All right. have a good afternoon, Dom. You too, man. It was nice talking to you. You as well. Peace. See ya.